I really felt my heart, God put some on my heart for someone in here. I just want to speak it and send real fast. And I just want to tell you, Gail Johnston right there, I see you. Your worship is louder than your struggle. Your worship is louder than your struggle. When I see you worshiping, it really inspires me because there's some stuff that you and Clay have walked through that some people may not even know this past few weeks. And yet you're still worshiping louder than what you're talking about, your struggle. And I just want to say God sees it and he loves you. And just keep that posture. It's not from me. It's God just want to let you know. He sees that your worship is louder than your struggle. Proud of you. Proud of you. Um, I want to pray for one of ours real fast. Um, I think Liz is in this experience. Liz Tolbert, if, you, or if she's in this experience, I can't see. If you are, can you lift up your hand? Is she right back here? If you're around her, uh, she's just been battling. Is Bill with you too right now? See there? I can't see. Yeah. Hey, we're going to surround them real fast. They've been uh, pushing and fighting uh, cancer for a while, and the doctors say one thing, but God is always the great physician, and so we're just going to pray for her. So if you're near her, if you could just put your hand on her shoulder, if you could put your hand on uh, Bill's shoulder. Uh, we're a church that prays. If this is your first time here, we pray. <laughs> That's what this is. Uh, and if you can extend your hand, what that means is I'm just in agreement. It's not like magic powers. It says we're going to come in agreement. It says we're two or three are gathered. There you are in the midst. And so, Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name over this family. Lord, I know that we've prayed and we've seen them conquer this before. You, we've seen you conquer this thing before. And we know, Father God, Lord, that you have done such a mighty work in the Tolberts, Lord. I, I thank you for Liz, that she knows she needs to be in the house when she goes through these things. And Bill being such an amazing husband, being an amazing leader who refreshes. And, 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 and laughs and, and, and isn't always serious, but Lord is serious when he needs to be and he keeps his eyes focused on you and he sends me encouragements when I'm down, when he's going through these things or I love this couple. I pray for healing in her body. I pray that you would touch the cancer and that it would leave her body right now, that it would begin to remiss, that it would go back, Father God, that we speak to her body. We pray for kidney functions. We speak for liver functions. We speak for all the levels to be where they need to be, Father God, for any procedures that need to be done. We just pray right now that our faith is built up right now in Jesus name Lord we know that healing ultimately comes when we're Jesus but we also know you still heal today in this place physically father so bring healing and strength lift them up right now in Jesus name in Jesus name and we thank you for everyone in this room grateful that we come together celebrating and worshiping a great God thank you for meeting us here today Lord we're here for you we live for you and we want to look like you and if you believe it come on let's give God praise let's thank God in this place Thank you so much. Hey, give three people a high five real fast. Tell them you're glad they're here and you can take a seat. I hear a whole lot of high fives. I need to hear more. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Well, this is, this is exciting. God's good. Uh, that's good. Uh, I might hesitate a little bit. My, uh, my iPad wants to install updates right now, so the message is on its way. Uh, so we'll be good. Hey, my name is Sean Jensen. I'm the, <clears throat> I'm the lead pastor here at Authentic Church, and I just got to say something. This is the second full experience in the middle of summer. You guys love church. Come on. You guys are awesome. Good seeing you guys out here. Um, oh, thank you. You are a lifesaver, and you look good, too. That's my wife, Liz. We, oh, it worked. We live, uh, we, we live together. It's absolutely true. Uh, we serve as pastors here at Authentic Church, and we're so glad you came out first time, hundredth time. We're just glad you're here. We hope you can sit back 
If you're a believer or not a believer, this is a place where you can get back up. Uh, you won't be shamed for what you believe, but we preach Jesus because we believe he's the only way. Uh, and so we want everyone to know about him. We're in a brand new series uh, that we're starting today. We finished the blessed life a couple weeks ago. We threw some axes last week. Come on, who threw some axes last week? Was that fun? Let's give it up for all of our people who made that happen. We still got the root beer kagan back. We've been drinking it all week. Uh, don't, don't judge us. Um, so we're starting a brand new series called James. Now, if you aren't familiar with church, there's actually a book in the Bible called James. It's in the New Testament. Um, it, the author is James. We'll get into all of that later in the message. Uh, but as a church, we felt like this summer we're going to focus on this book, not just Pastor Sean preaching it, but our church reading it and living it together. And so what we're going to do starting tomorrow, if you have an iPhone, open your camera app. You can actually just aim your camera at that and you can go to the link right now. If you have a barcode scanner app, you can do the same. If you don't have either, get the Version Bible app right there. Download it this week or today and look up Journal James as a plan. And every day it gives you a plan that you can follow. It's a daily reminder. There's a devo. And so it's 25 days. And as a church, I want us together to read through. I love seeing all the phones going up right now. This is so encouraging. You guys just blessed your pastor. You have no idea. So, uh, so what we're going to do is say, Sean, I've never read the Bible before. What does that look like? How can I start? Start by doing this and do this. Before you read, ask the Holy Spirit and God. Lord, speak to me before I read this. Speak to me as I read this. Then read, we call it soap. Read the scripture, observe it. What is this speaking to me? What does that look like? How can I apply this to my life? And then pray that God will give you the strength to apply it. Because how many people know we need to pray for strength in that area? So we're going to do some soaps for the next 25 days. And we just hope that it will build an appetite for some of you to bring out questions and stuff. So starting tomorrow, uh, you can also see the post on Facebook. So James 1, that's where we're starting today. James 1, starting in the very first verse. And we're going to go through this together as a church. And I am excited. This is the fourth time I've preached this message, so I think you're going to get it the best. You're like, what? I'll tell you later. But this is the fourth time I preached this message. James 1, starting in verse 1, says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings, dear brothers and sisters. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. How many people just got frozen stuck in your head? Let it grow. How many people now have frozen stuck in your head? <laughs> All right. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Who wants to feel complete and not needing anything in their life? James, this encouraged. All right, we're going to read one more scripture, then we're going to pray. Uh, this next scripture is found in Luke, which is the Gospel of Luke. This was someone who wrote about Jesus' account 70 years after he died, rose again. Uh, he heard it from eyewitnesses. He wrote it, a gospel about Jesus' life. And this right here, what's happening in this scripture is Jesus is in the garden with his disciples praying because the next day he's going to the cross. So this is the day before Jesus takes the wrath of the world, our sin, on the cross. The day before. I don't know what you would be thinking about but we get to see what Jesus was thinking about. And this is what he says the day before. Verse 39, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went out to usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. He's talking about the cross 
talking to God, his father. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then the angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Actually, what's happening, it said that he actually was sweating blood. It was actually blood coming out of his pores because he was in so much agony, he's going to the cross. At last, he stood up again, returned to his disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. If the Son of God needed prayer to get through what he was going through, how many of us need prayer to get through what we're going through? We have to realize that prayer is such an important thing in our life. So Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing. I am excited about this 11 o'clock. They are here to learn. They are here to grow. They got their phones out taking notes. Lord, I just love seeing their worship. I pray your spirit would speak to us, encourage us, and help us be people who look like Christ. I believe, Father God, you have better things in store for us, and the best is truly yet to come. So let's lean in. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for Delaney on the keys. Thank you, Delaney. Appreciate you. Thanks for setting the mood just right. Uh, I love Delaney because when I text her and Cody, her husband's the kids director, uh, my phone always auto-corrects it to salami. So I'm like, hey, salami. Hey, I hope you're doing good. Praying for the interview, salami. And she's like, I don't even fix it now. I think it's hilarious. So... Uh, it's great. Uh, my wife, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you this first, actually. Who in here likes running? Does anyone actually enjoy running? Like, who in here is going to want to take a moment and look at them with disgust? All right, go ahead. Look at, who in here is lying about? Anyway, so uh, my wife uh, does not like running. She doesn't like working out. She doesn't like any of that. But she has been working super hard in that department because she likes the reward of it. And so recently her and our worship director's wife, Savannah, who's actually up here right now, she helps in the gauge. Way to go, engage kids. You guys are awesome. She, uh, that's your kids. You better give her a little bit more than that. Like, <laughs> take them, <laughs> take them. Uh, they've been running, and three days into running, you could tell, you know, it's easy to start something, like, woo, but when you start, it's kind of like, oh, right? So they were excited, like, yeah, let's go, girl, this is going to be great, girl, yeah, girl, cool, girl, awesome, girl. I don't know if they talk like that, but <laughs> Liz came down, uh, it was like the third day, and they were going to run the next morning, and she came down into the kitchen, and she goes, oh, I have to run in the morning. Like, she was just already dreading it, right? She's like, I got to run in the morning. And so she just kind of walks around the kitchen. I'm taking care of the girls, like, talking with them. And Liz is like, I don't have anything to go running in. (laughs) I'm looking at her. Okay. A few minutes pass, whatever. She looks at me. She goes, hey, hon, is this supposed to rain tomorrow morning? And I look at her, I'm like, I know exactly what's going on. Like, you are trying to find an excuse to escape the physical activity that's going to partake tomorrow morning. Come on, where are my escape artist at? Who is really good at escape? Don't lie to me right now. Like, you got a perfect excuse every time something, that, yeah. She's like trying to figure out. She did go running. She did do that. But I think in church, a lot of times, believers want the benefit of what Christ has, but they escape every time it gets hard. I think we want the benefits of the physical activity and what God wants to bring to us. But as believers, we're really good at escaping what what God has for us. Now, I want to give you some encouragement because I read a scripture about Jesus who was going to the cross. The whole purpose he came to die for you and I's sin so we could be brought back to Christ, back to God. And the night before, he's looking for an escape route. Jesus, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, saying, God, if you can take this cup, take it. I don't want it. But he said, your will be done. See, I love this about Jesus because, yes, he endured it, 
but he wanted to escape it. Which means if you want to escape something, you're not a bad Christian, but we want to realize that that's not the final destination. We need to endure what God has for us. Because at the other end of Jesus' endurance was freedom for you and I. My question is, what kind of freedom does God want to bring to us if we endure what we're going through? How many freedom moments have we escaped because it's gotten hard, it's gotten tough? Well, enter James. James, in this scripture that we read in James 1, let me tell you about him. James, they say, may be the brother of Jesus. He could be an apostle James. He could be a different James. Doesn't matter. What he said in the scripture, he was writing to an audience. His audience was Jewish believers. Jewish believers. So these were God's chosen people that we follow in the Old Testament, the Jewish people. James, the one writing this, was probably a Jew as well. Jesus was a Jew. Now, the Jewish people were the ones who actually forced themselves against Jesus' teaching and the teaching of Jesus in the first place. The religious leaders, the people in the synagogue, and all those people who were giving them a hard time, those were the Jewish people. But after Jesus rose again, there was a bunch of Jewish peoples who were beginning to believe that Jesus actually came, the Messiah actually came, died, and rose again. A lot of Jewish people still don't believe the Messiah has come, so they still live by the law. But we believe that Jesus died, rose again, and freedom is for anyone who receives his grace. And so Jewish believers receive this story, and at that moment, they begin to get persecuted. They begin to get flogged, murdered, put in jail, put in prison so bad that they were fleeing their original hometowns. Listen, they weren't just going through persecution like a little bit of rejection. We're talking about other Jewish people who they thought they were close with have now turned their back on them because they feel like what they're going through and what they're preaching is not right. They're going through persecution. They're going through some trials. They're going through some sorrows. They're going through some troubles and some pain. And I don't know where you are today, but today James is encouraging them. Jesus doesn't want you just to go over this, under it, or around it. He wants to bring you through this. And I believe today, whatever you're going through, today you can get the answers to get through what you're going through. Who wants to get through whatever you're going through today? Four people that have faith that God's going to bring you through. Come on. God wants to bring you through some stuff. So James says... Hey, I want to encourage this audience to move forward. So today, my goal, I, was, I didn't want another message like, today you're going to step out in faith. We preach that a lot. You need to step out of faith. Step out of the boat. Come on, take that first step of faith and God will honor it. That's not my message today. Today my message is maybe instead of stepping out in faith, today's the moment you stand firm and stay in faith. Today's the moment you stay in that marriage. Today's the moment you stay in the thing that God's asked you to do. Quit leaving churches. Quit leaving relationships. Quit leaving when it gets hard. God says if you stay put and endure this thing, I promise you there's freedom on the other side of it. This message is to help you get through what you're going through. It's called the Endure Plan. So if you're writing notes, the name of this message is the Endure Plan. If you're not writing notes, write this down. The Endure Plan. (laughs) James is encouraging these Jewish believers who are going through some troubles and some persecution. He says, hey, this isn't the place you escape. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's messing with you and you're doubting. And James writes a letter. James 1, the first thing he says, don't give up. It's going to be worth it. I love James. So encouraging. People, yeah, he's so challenging. He shoots straight. But he's very encouraging. So if we want to get through what we're going through, I got three things that James talks about to help you with your endure plan. And the first thing is this. If you want to endure, the first thing we have to realize is it's not a matter of if, but when. Right? James 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters. Where are my sisters at? Where are my brothers at? It's just bark. (laughs) 
I love how, like, guys' voices get lower when you do that. Like, their voice is up here, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, the key word, when. James wants us to know right now, and whoever's reading this, troubles is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I know that's not very encouraging sometimes, but one of the things I do with my girls, see, my girls are in school now, and they've been uh, put, like, you know, splash pad, park, school. They're more in public domains now. And you realize the more that your kids are around other people, that other people can be mean. They can say mean things. I mean, not anybody in here. It's everybody out there. Like, that's <laughs> not us, right? Like, psh, never a Christian. But anyways, people can be mean. And I found out one day that, Avery came home and she's kind of upset. I said, what's going on? She said, ah, nothing. I'm like, what's happening? Why are you upset? And I kind of pried out. She goes, well, someone at school today told me they didn't want to play with me because they didn't like me. And I was like, who is it? What's their parents' name? Where do they live? Right? No, I didn't. I was just like, hey, listen. And I I looked at her. And and yes, I was upset a little bit, but I looked at her because that's my daughter. And and I got down on the knee. And I said, Avery, look at me. Pretty soon I'm not going to have to get on the knee. Uh, I was like, look at me. I was like, listen. People are going to hurt you. People are going to disrespect you. People are going to betray you. Even when you succeed, people are going to try pulling you down because they can't live with the fact that they never tried it when you did. They're going to do all these things to try bringing you down. But you're a leader. But these things will happen. You'll get made fun of. You'll be joked. You'll be stabbed in the back. People closest to you will betray you. I was like, I love you. Have a good day. <laughs> You're like, that's not good parenting. That's great parenting. Because what's going to happen is she realizes she's not going to live naive, not realizing, oh, this world's perfect. But when that things come, I want her to realize that when that person is rude to you, yes, it hurts, but it's not going to paralyze you throwing a pity party and you never move forward. This is, I didn't learn this from me. I learned this from Jesus. You're like, what? Yeah, Jesus said this in John. He looks at his disciples. Jesus almost got pushed off a cliff in his hometown. He was not even accepted in his hometown. People made fun of him all the time, persecuted him, tried to kill him. They did kill him, the cross. You look at the disciples, and something he says to the disciples, I love this. He's getting ready to leave and send him the Holy Spirit. And he says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Now, some of us who have heard this, we think it's encouraging, but at this time, we focus more on the beginning part than the after part. Because pain hurts. But Jesus wanted them to know, hey, when you leave, guess what? It's going to be awesome. You're a follower of Christ. Yeah, follow me. You see all these miracles. It's great. I just want to let you know it's going to suck sometimes. People are going to make fun of you sometimes. You're not going to know what to do sometimes. And when you're open about your faith, people will reject you and they may just stop talking to you. And you're going to go through some stuff because the enemy does not like people who are sold out for Christ. And you're going to go through some trials and you're going to go through some sorrows and you're going to go through some hurts and some pains. What is he saying? I'm going to let you know, not a matter of if, but when. But take heart. I have overcome the world, which means that if you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in you, the thing that is overcoming you, God's given you the authority to overcome it, that you are bigger than whatever is standing in your way right now. You just have to believe it. You can't be like, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it is. God is saying, yes, you're going to go through some stuff in this earth, but I want to let you know when it happens, you're not like, why did that happen? 
We have too many people in church that when persecution comes their way, they're like, why? Because Jesus said. And we lay on the floor paralyzed. I said, I share, God, on Facebook, I just shared a scripture because it was really encouraging me. And four friends unfollowed me. Why do people not want to talk to me anymore? I'm trying to love, and we sit in a pity party. And God's saying, if I tell you before the blow's coming, it's not going to take you out when it comes. Come on, when you're doing a defensive back, you know what's going to happen. As soon as the ball hikes, they're coming after you, right? So what do you do? You square up. Some of you have not been squaring up when the enemy's coming your way. And he says, hey, the ball is in play. Square up and start pushing it back so we can get a touchdown for some of these people. Don't lay on the ground wondering, why me? Because you're a believer in Christ, you will be persecuted. You will go through opposition. But take heart, I have overcome the world. James tells us, hey, when these things come your way. So he's trying to say, don't act like you're doing something wrong and you're a bad Christian. It's part of the game. When these things come, realize. So Sean, why is it good to know that these tests and trials will come? Because if you know a final exam is coming at the end of the year, you're going to study for the exam. Some of you skip the studying and you wonder why you can't get through this test. I asked my teacher when I was in high school, I was getting a B plus in a, in a grade. And when the final exam was coming, I was like, I need to keep that B plus. Like, this is the reason my parents love me right now. Like, everything. I'm just kidding. They love me no matter what. But I was like, this one right here, like, this is my, this is my pride and joy. Like, this B plus, I need to keep it. And uh, the final exam was coming. And I was like, hey, how hard is this final exam? And I was, like, stressed about it. And my teacher said, Sean, did you read the book? I said, yes, this one I actually did read, sir. I read this book. Have you done your homework? Yeah, I've actually been doing really good on my homework. Have you done all the study guides? Yep, I've done all the study guides. He's like, you'll be fine on the exam. I'm like, but what are the questions? I want to know exactly the, like, so many times we don't know exactly the test that we're going to go through. God says, you may not know the exact test you're going through, but if you have read the book (laughs) and you have done the homework and you've applied this message on Monday when Sean has preached on Sunday, when the test comes, you have the answer to every test you'll face. You got to study yourself up. Some of us, we want to endure, but we haven't studied ourselves full. This isn't a condemnation. This is helping you realize, man, you know what? If I want to get through this next test and trial, I need to be in God's word. I need to start this reading plan with our church. I want to build myself up. Jesus was praying in the garden because he knew the cross wasn't a matter of if, but when. Jesus knew he couldn't get around it, under it, or over it. He had to go through it. And so what did he do? He dropped his knees and prayed. He studied himself full of who he was and who his father was. We need prayer. We need to study for the test. This is more than that. God has so many great things on the other side of your obedience, but you got to study yourself. I can't tell you what test you'll face this week, but I can tell you there's an answer for every test you face, and it's in your word. It's there. Study yourself full. Read that word. Start putting it into practice. And the second thing James says, if you want to endure, is just realize opposition, it's an opportunity in disguise. Opposition is an opportunity in disguise. Man, we can't stand people like this, right? Like the positive Pete's. I just made that up. Positive Patty. Your name is Patty. I love you. My grandma's name is Patty. 
positive people, right? Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And that's when I stopped reading the text message, right? Everybody like, how many people that come to church like, you just need to let go and let God. I'm like, you just need to, I'm walking away, right? Like, because there's so, but James wants us to know like, hey, that persecution, that pain you're going through, it's an opportunity. It's like he's saying, it's a gift from God. Don't take that gift back. That's from God. It's an opportunity. That's, that's what James is saying. This is an opportunity. He says, any kind. I don't know what test you're going through. I don't know what trials we're facing. James says, any kind of opposition, any kind of test, any kind of trouble is an opportunity. So here's, here's something you got to think about. Not all trials come from God, but all trials can be used by God. This is good news because he says any kind. Guys, this is encouraging. I'll tell you why in a second. Not all trials come from God. All trials can be used by God. He's that good. Some of us are giving God credit to why someone's sick with cancer. No, 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 no. Stop that. That is not God's intent. We live in a fallen world. But God can take that cancer, heal that cancer, or work that thing, and that person can become a testimony for other people in their life. That's how, that's how good God is. This is good news. Not all trials come from God, but they can be used by God. Do you know what that means? What does that mean, Sean? Wait, what does that mean, Pastor Sean? I'm just kidding. You can call me Sean. Anyways, it means this. It means even the trials you put yourself in, God can still use for good. So if you're here today saying, I know you're preaching strong, but I put myself in this trial. Put it in God's hands and watch him work. Put it in his hands and watch. You're not far out. You're not far. If anyone in here looks at you and you put yourself in that mess, you can excuse them because they put themselves in some messes too and God worked in their favor. They just forgot to humble themselves and realize it was God's grace that brought them through it, not their own works. But it's God's grace that says, I know you put yourself in this mess, but any kind of opposition you're going through, it's an opportunity for me to teach you, to show you, to grow you. And that thing that tried to pull your marriage apart, put it in my hand and watch me use it to pull you guys back together. That's how good our God is. God is good. He's so good. He says, all these, James tells us, these trials are opportunities. So what does this mean for us? It means that what you see as a closed door, what I see as a closed door, may just be an open door. You see, Jericho, the walls of Jericho, that looked like a closed door, but God said, your promise is in those walls. They didn't wait for a gate to open. They walked around it and were obedient until the walls fell down. Didn't look like an open door, but the opposition was the open door. How many things are we running away from because we don't feel like opposition is an open door? We're praying for open doors, and God's saying, yeah, this is the open door. You're just going to have to get through it. James says, here is your open door. It's opposition. It's actually called opportunity. So anytime you go through opposition to see it, this is an opportunity, and smile. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. This is a great, I feel like this, but this is an opportunity. Sean, what's an opportunity for an opportunity for what? To see inside. See, we know what kind of Christians we are when we're pressed. We can act like we're joyful Christians on Sunday, but when we're pressed, we actually can find out that we might be angry Christians. We're still Christians nonetheless, but God wants to work on us. We don't know what's inside of us until we're pressed. God can use trials to reveal what's in our heart. Trials press out what's actually going on. I mean, the bumper sticker's cute. I like the fish thing. I like the logo. The shirt got it on point. But I'm watching you when you go through trials. 
not just me, the world who's not in church. They're not looking for people who have bumper stickers. They're looking for people how they walk through hard times. So how you treat your boss when they hurt you, they're watching. Psalms 139 says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. O Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You see, God knows our heart. Here's something if you want to write notes. I love this. Trials and tests separate the talkers from the walkers. It's easy to talk, but trials show who's actually talking and who's walking. Psalms 139, the Lord examines my heart. What does this mean? One thing I can tell you, I can see you. I can watch your life. I can see how you handle and respond to different things. You can see how I handle and respond to different things. One thing, I can see your heart, but it's crazy. God sees our heart. He knows our motives. He knows why we do things. He knows if we're actually getting that gift for dad on Father's Day because we actually love dad, or we're getting it to him because we're like, oh crap, I forgot about it, and it's today, right? Like, he knows those moments. Dad doesn't know, but God knows. Here's the thing. God can see our heart, but we can't see our heart. So, in order for us to see our heart, God will use trials to bring what's on the in, inside to the outside. It says in Scripture, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you keep putting in there, it's going to come out no matter what. And when that comes out, right here, have you ever hit your finger with a hammer? I tell my wife all the time, I'm 50% sure I didn't swear, but 100% sure I did, like, in my mind. I'm like, hide the kids, put earmuffs on, I don't know what's coming out. Why? Because when you go through pressure, what's on the inside comes out. And here's what's hard. God wants to show us what's really in our heart, but people leave in that moment and they don't endure because they feel like it's a shame thing. And God's like, no, no, no. That's not, no, I'm going to use this trial to bring this thing out of your life because how many people know it's easier to run races without much baggage? God's like, I want you to run fast, hard, efficient, but you can't keep running with that envy. You can't keep running with that pride and that greed. And so he begins to work in us, not to shame us, but to save us. It was just so cool. You come to church, right? We see people come to church. They make decisions to follow Christ. And all of a sudden, you hear this all the time. I know. I feel like I'm worse off after following Christ than I was before coming to Christ. Anybody else feel like that? Am I talking to myself right now? Like, right, right, you come. You're like, what in the world? I thought I was patient. I'm not patient at all. I thought I was nice. I'm mean. I thought I was generous. I'm greedy. Right? And you begin to go, uh, and you like stop going to church because you feel shame. That's why it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for Christ. Do you know why there's no condemnation? So God can expose your sin without condemning you so he can get it out of your life so you can move forward. We have to have God's grace to grow. So listen, God, why do you think you feel like that? Because God is light. Light's in here, and whatever you bring from darkness into light will be exposed. He's not revealing these things to you to, sh to, to shame you. He's saying, here's some stuff in your life. If you're willing to give it to me, I'll take it from you, and it's going to be better for you in the long run. So when you're here and you go, ooh, greed, ooh, ouch, God's saying, you see that? Yes, sir, give it to me, and I'll work all things for the good of those who love me. So don't run away when God begins to expose some things in your heart. He's doing it to make you a better person who looks like Christ. He examines all of our heart. Not only does it show us what's on the inside, right? It doesn't just show us what we need to grow from, but it also reveals the spirit that's on the inside. 
How many people have ever been put in a position where you knew if God wasn't in, with you, you would not be where you are today? How many people have grown closer to the relationship with God because of trials and because of troubles? Isn't it a beautiful thing that God can take the pain and the troubles and the hurts and the persecution and when you feel lo lonely? And he says, it's an opportunity for you to grow in my presence. God's saying, when you know what's pressed, not only do we see some things that we need to give to God, but when you're pressed, you can see that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Some of us didn't know what we had in us until we were pressed. I can tell you, looking around, I didn't know what I had in me until I was pressed. I got to work out with our production manager, uh, Jake. He's been working out by himself. And I was like, hey, man, can I work out with you, jump in? And he goes, yeah, sure. And I took it as a complete open op like, opportunity to make him run through one of my workouts. I didn't ask him. I just said, here, here's what we're going to do. He's like, okay. And uh, he wanted to do a bench press. And I was like, how much weight do you usually do? And he told me the amount. And I was like, okay. And I put that weight on. I was like, I'm going to spot you. He goes, okay. He grabs the bench. He's like, one, two. I'm like, hold up. I like, put it back on the thing. I was like, that's too easy. So I was like, hey, put 25s on both sides of those. You can look at me like, why am I working out with you? <laughs> sure enough, he kept working out. At the end of his workout, he lifted more than he thought he could ever lift. Because of resistance. He didn't know it until weight was added. Some of us need to realize the reason God put another 45 on the bar for you was to reveal to you how strong you actually are and what you're going through. He's building you up. He's trying to say, you, you think this is just persecution, but I'm showing you there's more in you than what it is. And it's a hell, death, grave, conquering spirit that is placed in you. If you allow me to work in you, I'll show you how strong you really are. You're still here. You're still moving. God's got this. And the other thing it reveals, it's an opportunity for endurance. That word endurance is like growth, strength, stamina. If you're in, in athletics, you understand this. Endurance. That word endurance in scripture that they're using is hypomone. That word actually means this. It means to stand up under something. So when we hear the word endurance, it doesn't mean escaping. It means God wants to give you the strength to the thing that's crippling you. He wants to give you the strength to be like this. You know, like when you have one kid and you're like, oh my gosh, kids, and you have two and you're like, someone takes one of the kids like to watch him and you have one kid, you're like, how was this hard before? <laughs> and then you have three kids and you have nine and you're like, Routens, we love you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, <laughs> some of us need to realize that the pressure and the trials we're going through isn't God's punishment, it's his preparation. He's not punishing you. Uh, I, I, I worked out, picking on me now, I worked out with a guy here because I felt like I was plateauing a little bit. And I was like, hey, man, can you run me through a workout? He was in the first experience laughing at me. I almost punched him, but I didn't because he's a boxer. So anyways, <laughs> I wasn't going to punch him. Uh, that'd be crazy. Um, I was working out, and he's like, okay, let's do some sprints. I'm like, yeah, sprints, I can do that because this other stuff was awful. And all of a sudden, he goes, okay, come here. I'm like, we're going to do sprints. He goes, come here. I'm like, we're going to do sprints. He's like, come here. Um, and he brings out this big elastic band. Like, hey, we're doing, what's that for? And he wraps it around my waist, and he puts it on his waist, and he backs up. And I'm like, whoa, I never knew we were so close. So I goes, we're bonding right now. And uh, he stretched it till it was tight. And he goes, go up on that block. So I was like, from here to the wall. He goes, when I say go for 30 seconds or for a minute, you're going to run 
all the way to that wall, touch it, pull yourself back. You can't fly back because then you'll, you know, you have to like walk back and then do it again and sprint. I'm like, what are you doing sprints? He's like, with the elastic band. I'm like, okay. And so he said, go. I'm telling you what, guys, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But not just that, the next day, he's like, how are your calves feeling? I'm like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I couldn't move. But I told him I wanted my legs to be stronger. I wanted more endurance. And he said, the answer to your endurance is resistance. Some of you have been praying for God to bless you with something, and he's been throwing the resistance bands on you, and you keep throwing them off. So when you get the blessing, it's too heavy for you to carry in the first place, and you end up losing the blessing that God had for you all along. So I guess what I'm trying to say is this. If you are a guy, maybe you're praying for that perfect girl that loves Jesus, is in her word, and you're looking for someone at church, but you are never in your word, and you're not spending time in his word, and you're wondering, I want that perfect God. God's saying, here's some resistance bands to prepare yourself so when you get her, you won't scare her away because the place you're in right now will scare her away. She's not looking for someone who's not in the word. She's looking for someone who's in the word. So when you put resistance bands on, it prepares you for the blessing God has for you. James says, it's an opportunity for what? For resistance to build your strength, to build your stamina. Sean, you want to be a leader? Okay, I'll allow some people in your life to criticize your every move. Why? So you can handle it when there's more people who can criticize your every move. Because you realize, as you want to be a leader, you got to realize you want to be a boss, you want to be a manager, there are some trials you'll go through to remind yourself, I'm going to build you for the blessing I have for you. David was a shepherd in the pasture. He was killing lions and bears before he took out Goliath. No one saw the pasture field. Everyone saw Goliath. He wouldn't have been ready for Goliath if he didn't take the time in the pasture. What season are you in that you're overlooking that God says, this is pivotal for what I have for you next? He's building your endurance. So he wants us to know God's not punishing you. He's preparing you for the very thing you've been praying for. Jesus was an opportunist, right? He would show up in situations. He was, like my wife talked about this morning, he, the, the demoniac, the demon-possessed guy who was cutting himself, he had chains, he lived in caves, he was naked, screaming at people. Jesus and his disciples were like, hey, let's go talk to him. Why would Jesus want to go talk to him? Because he cast the demons out and through him the, the gospel spread. He saw opposition as opportunity. What about the feeding the 5,000, Right? How much food did he have? He had a snack pack, right? He had a Lunchable. And he goes, hmm, you feed him. And he feeds 5,000 people. Opposition? No, this is an opportunity for God to get glorified. Can I just tell you at the end of the day, the reason why I'm preaching this message isn't just so that you can get glorified. It's so God can, people can begin to see the God in you. The best way we can show God to other people is how we handle trials and tribulations. And people are looking for God in them. Jesus saw the cross as an opportunity, not an opposition. What was the opportunity? That we would be made right in God's eyes. I want to look at every opposition the same way Jesus looked at the cross. That's my goal. Everything that comes my way, God, you're going to use it. God, you're going to flip it. God, you're going to work it. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what you're doing, but all I know, it's going to be good. And I'm going to live in that moment every single time. The last thing, if you want to get through your endurance or through your trial, is you have to keep the end in mind. 
You have to keep the end in mind. If we want to endure, James begins to say something I think we can miss really easy. Let me show you. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I love this because James is saying, how can I encourage these people who have been persecuted, who've been hurt, how can I encourage them right now? He goes, oh, I have an idea. I'll tell them the reward of their pain. I'll tell them how much they're going to enjoy the other side of what they're going through right? That's what you have to remind yourself when you want to eat that ho-ho, right? Like, no, don't eat it because of that, and then we still eat it. But anyways, we're working on it. We're growing. He's saying, keep the end in mind. Uh, let me say it this way. Uh, my wife and I, we were in West Virginia a couple weeks ago. It's a six and a half hour drive. Avery's not too bad, my daughter. The second daughter, Charlie, she can't sit still. So on our way to West Virginia, uh, we were heading out, and we got to Sonoman. If you are joining us today from a different area, that's 10 minutes away. Sonoman. Sonoman Golden Eagles, everybody. Anyway, Sonoman. 10 minutes away. Charlie's like, are we there yet? I'm like, Charlie, no, it's going to be a while. Just get comfortable. She goes, oh, man, it's taking forever. <laughs> I've mimicked exactly what it sounds like. That's exactly what it sounds like. Oh, man, it's taking forever. And so I looked at Liz, I was like, listen, we're stopping at Chick-fil-A in Indianapolis halfway, like Dayton, in Indianapolis area, so we just have to pump her up. So we're like, Charlie, guess what? She goes, what? I'm like, we're going to Chick-fil-A. We're going to Chick-fil-A? I'm like, yeah, Chick-fil-A, playground. Like, girl, just a few hours, we're going to be at Chick-fil-A. We're going to make it. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be playgrounds. There's going to be kids. You can play. There's going to be chick in sandwiches, Chick-fil-A sauce. Like, come on. I'm pumping myself up. Like, I want to get to Chick-fil-A. And she goes, okay, so every time she would get upset, we'd be like, Chick-fil-A. She goes, oh, yeah, Chick-fil-A. Like, she's like, we're going to go, like, that was, and then we get there, and she's like, we made it, yeah. And then we're done. We're like, okay, we have another three and a half hours. Charlie, your friends are in West Virginia. Remember River? Remember Trace? Remember all, do you remember Jade? You, do you remember Bell? Do you remember all the kids? They got cats. It's going to be fun. We're going to the lake. We're going swimming. It's going to be awesome. She's like, woo, Swimming. What were we doing? We were keeping the end in mind. Anytime you have to go through a journey and something that's hard, keep the end in mind. Keep the, Jesus realized the cross was actually going to bring us back together with God. It was the end in mind. What does that look like? It means you're going to be stronger because of this. You're going to be a better leader, a husband, a father because of this. God's going to bless you because of what you're going through. It means this. It means that if you are experiencing pain, James is saying, you may be experiencing pain in what you can see, but you made a decision to follow Christ, which means your name is written in heaven, which means that whatever you're going through here, it is temporary compared to the glory that far outweighs that when you reach heaven. He says it's going to be eternity with God, paradise, golden streets. It's going to be bougie. We're going to be singing. We're going to be praising. It's going to be awesome. So when you're going through hardships now, realize this is not the end. And your destination, it far outweighs what you're going through right now. Keep the end in mind. Keep the end. Come on. Keep the end in mind. If you can keep the end in mind. i got to close this up. If we can keep the end in mind, that's exactly what Jesus did. 
And I want to show you that Jesus did this. He had the end in mind. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, don't miss this, to the life of faith, let us strip off weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with, there's the word, endurance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the one in the garden, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Listen, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. So he says, if you go through trials and you're running this race, throw off the sin that holds you down, the things that trip you up. He says, keep running. But he goes, how do we do this? Just look at Jesus. You remember that moment in the garden when he wanted to pass the cup and he prayed and he looked at the end? It says, and the joy awaiting Christ. In Hebrews, we just read it. The joy awaiting him. Actually, we'll throw it up here. The joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. The endure plan. What was the joy awaiting him? What was the end in mind? When he was broken and they broke his bones, and his back was gashed open, and he had thorns in his head, and they made him carry his own cross while he was falling on the ground, and the pain was agonizing, and he knew that Calvary was what was going to be, the hill was going to be where he got crucified for us. On that journey, it said that he was thinking about something, the joy awaiting him. What was the end in mind? He was saying in his head, Sean. Liz, Jake, Linda, Sandy, Lisa. It wasn't Chick-fil-A on his mind. It was you and I as he took the cross. Why? Because he kept the end in mind. He wanted us that badly. Can I tell you? that if Jesus endured for us, we can endure for him. Please, don't, don't miss out on what I'm trying to say here because this is important. But here's the, here, here's the catch. Jesus was in the Mount of Olives. We miss this about the story because I haven't heard it too much talked about, but there's a symbol that happens because in the Mount of Olives, that's where olives were crushed to make wine. You can't make wine without crushing, without pressing. So they would press the olive oil. Or not wine, sorry, olive oil. Wines too, the grapes. They would press them. And when they would press it, it would get olive oil. Now, all throughout Scripture, olive oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. If you have been pushed away from the Holy Spirit and all that, it's part of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized in water before he started his ministry. And it said when he came out, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Jesus had to be filled with the Spirit before he started his ministry. So what are we seeing in here? In the Mount of Olives, we're seeing our Savior being pressed and crushed to show us that as he is crushed, the oil has been spilled out for us to receive so that whatever you go through, you can have the same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave can live in you to endure forever you go through. Can I tell you as a pastor, stop trying to do this without the Holy Spirit's strength? 
Stop trying to make the Holy Spirit weird and creepy. Quit running away from the Holy Spirit. We cannot do ministry and live without the Holy Spirit. Saying we don't need the Holy Spirit is like saying that Jesus wasn't used by the Holy Spirit. So my hope for you today, starting this series, is that you wouldn't hear a bunch of messages about behavior modification. You would hear messages that seem like, that's really hard, Sean. How do I accomplish it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in Luke, that if you've never asked for the Holy Spirit, it says he, God is a good father and he gives to any child he asks. I can't ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you. You can do it personally. If you keep hitting a brick wall, today what we're going to do, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand up and worship. But we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. You by yourself. So with eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Sean, I need a spirit in my life. I've never really asked the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean something weird is going to happen. I know we hear all these different things. No, no, no. We want the power of God in our life. If that's you, could you just lift up your hands to God right now? I need the power of God in my life. Lord, I pray right now for them. I pray that you see those hands. I pray as they reach out to you, Father God, that you would fill them. I pray, Father God, that you would help them, give them power, give them strength to endure whatever they're going through. Lord, you're building in them. You're strengthening them. You're making them stronger for your purpose. You're not done with them. You're not done. I pray right now for your Holy Spirit to fill this place. I pray, Father God, that we need your spirit like never before. It's your spirit that helped Jesus conquer the grave. It's your spirit that's going to bring the dead to life. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for our hearts right now. I pray as we go into worship that we would focus our eyes on you. And whatever endure people need to go through, I pray that they would see their trial as an opportunity. Give us strength today. We want to honor you. And we want to pass this test, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to sing this song. And if you, re if you ask the Holy Spirit, what you're going to do during this song, you're going to close your eyes. You're going to